1: A lot of us learned to love reading by watching LeVar Burton, host of the wonderful TV show Reading Rainbow, for which he won a Peabody and a dozen Emmys. LeVar Burton has a new podcast now that recreates that magic for grown-ups. It's called LeVar Burton Reads. Each episode, LeVar picks one of his favorite short stories, like Kin by Bruce McAllister, and reads it to you. I think you'll really enjoy it, but you don't have to take my word for it. Subscribe to LeVar Burton Reads in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.
0: This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 218. We're recording on Monday, July 17th, 2017. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. It's seven seventeen seventeen.
1: This is one of those weeks where I think every date in the week is a palindrome. It's what? The, it's the same, or maybe it was last week where every date was the same forward as it was backwards.
0: Things that mean nothing but are somehow interesting. <laughs> Welcome to our show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're recording late. It's a Monday in the middle of yeah, the day. Yeah, it's a Monday.
0: Like, yeah. Anything I mean, could happen. All, we, Rebecca had bats in her house. Oh my gosh, the beach. so many.
1: If you don't follow me, me on comb- Instagram, I'm sorry that you missed last week.
0: <laughs> our sorts are just all over the floor because we're totally out of them. <laughs> I have no swords
1: left. There's
0: no, there's, there's not a sword on I mean, me right now. You were telling um, me
1: right before we started about maybe the most Jeff wheelhouse book purchase <laughs> you've ever made. So I think we should yes. share that with the people. Which,
0: uh, it's called um, the book, A Global History, mm-hmm. uh, which I've had my eye on for some time because it's pretty expensive. It's uh, $50 retail. And I used... Uh, the Amazon ha- for prime day had like a five dollars off an order of fifteen dollars or more thing, which is just the right amount of rationalization I needed. <laughs> like it was five units of rationalization, so i fi- I finally purchased it it's about a thousand pages long, and each chapter is like the history of publishing in a in an area or or um, uh, uh, area or a country or region or whatever and there's I was telling Rebecca about this thisstat about oh i can 't even remember now, but I think it was in the sixteenth century in Stockholm or something. There was twenty thousand inhabitants and one (laughs) hundred and sixty (laughs) seven booksellers. Which, when we get our book-related time travel um, flux capacitor, we should we'll make a stop in Copenhagen in fifteen fifty eight. We'll check it out.
1: Winters are long there; they got to read a lot.
0: That's true. That's true. I but I I, what percentage of the population was even lit? Anyway, I have so many questions. But anyway, I'll know a global history. I just also like the the like the book of global. It's hard to think of something that. To make a global history would be harder, but just because every country and region has its own printing mm-hmm. in book tradition. So it's like religion, a global history. God. Right. Good luck. Yeah, have fun with that. So it anyway, I'm excited to like see.
1: You could do a good who's on first with it. Like what are you reading? The book. Well no, what book? The yeah, book.
0: Right, right, right. It that's not even the only book called the book that I have. This is the <laughs> rabbit hole I've gone. <laughs> yeah, of is course one. not. Of course. Yeah, I know. It's the it's it's which the book. Yeah. That one. <laughs> that book? Yes, that one. Yeah, I can, That see, book? I, I, the book? They were book. all over the place. I guess I guess so um some of you heard I, I did a quick teaser episode. I don't even know if i told you this, Rebecca. Last last night, just I to found say it. scheduling thing, whatever. Also as an excuse to go listen, tell you guys to go listen to annotated. Wanna say thank you too, so so many of you I clearly have listened and rated and reviewed the show. Um, 76 reviews uh, ratings now and almost 50 reviews really great all, all five stars except for one one star bomber oh. in there which it was a good a good last we made it to 75 without getting someone to, uh, to to smear all over but i'm sure they were either an amazon or a trump fan i'm guessing from the first <laughs> two episodes um though we i I was gonna say I, I thought the responses so far have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um if you haven't listened to the second episode or any of them, but if you haven't listened to any of the anecdoted, as I said in the teaser show, I think you'll like the independent bookstore one. It's a very Jeff and Rebecca way of looking at it. Um, where we sort of said, Well, you know, people if you tell someone, A, what's going on with the independent bookstores, most people said they're dead, which is not the case as you'll find out in the show. And then for people who know it's not the case, or you say it's not the case, then you say, why? They'll say, because people love print and they love human interaction. Well, the problem with that story is, well, what happened when bookstores lost 75% of their ranks from 93 to 2008, right? Something has to change, and a little bit in the um, correlation is not causation, like, what could have happened? Did, did people just remember they like print? They remember they like humans? I don't buy that. And so that's why we did this particular episode. We got a lot uh, Noel Santos, who listens to this show, Josh Christie, uh, Book Rages and of Print, Orin Tiker uh, of the American Booksellers Association, and, and Professor Ryan Raffaelli of the Harvard. School of Business, who's been studying independent bookstores. So I think it's a good show. It is interesting it was a fun, stuff.
1: It was a fun episode. There were some outtakes too. I wonder we should keep some of the stuff that was uh, on the cutting room floor from that. Yeah, one. Uh, like things like Josh told me about when you or like when you're setting up a bookstore for the first time. Some of the ordering you do by shelf inches.
0: Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> really
1: well, like random, interesting things.
0: I mean, it's. I don't think it's telling. Talent- well, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. But this the original idea with the episode was. So the title was "So You Want to Open a Bookstore." It's going to be much more of a how-to of opening a bookstore. And as I went through the research and we did the interviews, I was like, eh, "Not that interesting." <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's not that interesting. You, you buy again, like it's interesting insofar as anything is interesting, but it's not especially interesting. And you can read like there's seven things that you do right. You need to find the right spot, and you've got to buy books, and you got to find booksellers, and you know, it's kind of a Paint by numbers is is wrong, but I don't feel like I learned too much. So in the course of doing this one, we're like, well, what if we went about this? Why are there still bookstores? Um, Sharifa and I went to the to a local bookstore. I won't spoil the beginning just because it's fun to talk about a little bit. So go check that out. Thank you so much for you for you guys listening to it. Um, The next one goes out to all. uh, This is a tease. We call a tease. The next one goes out to all you librarians out there. Ooh, that's the next episode.
1: Oh, that's right. I got all excited and then I really (laughs) remembered. I know what the next one's about, and yeah, it's great. I I don't want to (laughs) listen.
0: Oh, okay. I know what that one is. So I'm scripting that right now. I tell you what, it comes it comes hot and heavy. Uh, Let's, I guess maybe we should do our next sponsor. I think we, we should because we we'll I got follow up uh, that I'll spend. Want to spend a few minutes get so into the news. Yeah. But
1: our first sponsor this week is Unraveling, which is book two in the Unblemished trilogy by Sarah Ella. The entire universe in this book is unraveling, but can a young heroine stop the fray through her mastery of world building and mind bending plots? Sarah Ella takes fantasy to a new level in Unraveling, the anxiously awaited continuation of the Unblemished trilogy. As Eliana continues her journey towards the throne she tries to figure out her relationship with Kai and how it might be connected to the callings. She needs answers before the callings disappear altogether. Can Elle find a way to sever her connection to Kai and save the reflections and keep herself from falling for him in the process? This is one of those books that explores how sometimes imperfections can make us feel unloved, but the main character, Eliana, she's viewed as, the things that she's viewed as her imperfections have actually become her strength, um, which is a you know, a great message, and so real in life. Um, is transported to another parallel universe where she has to draw on her strength in order to defeat a ruthless leader. So if this sounds good to you, you can check out the Unblemished Trilogy by Sarah Ella. That's E-L-L-A. Um, and the book here is Unraveling. It's book two, so you can jump right on in. So thanks to them for sponsoring. All Sales right. numbers. Hit me with those numbers. Well,
0: we we went over the halfway mark of the year, so we got a lot of... Best books of the year list. We did our own. I'll link to that in the show notes. I don't think we need to. Oh, that's about, a big, no. beautiful list, yeah. A nice, Very nice list. A lot of interesting stuff. Though no runaway bestsellers um, this year. And I was looking um, at Publishers Weekly and just looking at some of the stats. Um, unit sales of print book year over year for the first six months of 2017 versus 2016 up 3%. P- seems pretty good. Okay. Hardcover up 7%. Board books up ten percent. Um, pretty the weakness in um, mass market paperback continues its decline, down nine percent. I think the one get, I think the the segment getting killed that continues to get its lunch eaten by ebooks is mass market paperback, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense, um, especially if ebooks were priced sanely. Uh, that mass market would be really be in trouble. And then audio. So this is physical audio CDs. <laughs> People still buying them uh down eight percent year over year. And I'm you know, Audible, audiobooks.com, mm-hmm. all the other places, downpour, you can get audiobooks um eating the lunch there. I thought it was interesting that it was up three percent, like, you know, uh, we're up to three hundred and ten million books sold in the US excuse me, not three hundred. Is that right? Three hundred and ten thousand um yeah, three hundred, three hundred million books sold. So we're up, you know, eight per eight million books year over year. Um, trade hardcover up 7% so additional 6 million books sold when really there was no big book uh, what's the biggest book of the year so far I, oh. I couldn't come up with one I mean I'm not talking about sales necessarily just like what, b- what has buzzy. mind share I've got nothing
1: I don't either yeah. That's, I,
0: I hmm. think the books of the year are 1984 and Handmaid's Tale. Like, I'm not kidding about that. Yeah. I think well, those are the books of the year. They so are. So
1: and there's there's a couple big titles this fall. Um, yeah. The new Jesmyn Ward, Sing Unburied Sing, I think is going to mm-hmm. be big. And of course, our boy D Brizzle, new Dan Brown. Yeah, that's that's um, That'll be big sales, but not, you know, like, I think the literati won't be buzzing about that. The literati's
0: book of the year is probably Hunger by Roxane Gay. Mm-hmm. I'm going with that one. Yeah. Um, I have that on my whole library holds list. It hasn't come yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, the top 20 selling print books. Okay. I've got to get down to number uh, number eight is the only one published this year. Can you believe that? Oh. Top, I mean, Backlist is amazing. Um, for, all, for those of you keeping score at home, you know... I think we've talked about this before.
1: Is one of them, oh, the places you'll go? Number
0: one, <laughs> running away number one, 400... So we we were talking. I think we talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. We also talked about the Book Riot um, editorial back channel uh, about you know the the phenomenon. Uh, let's see, four hundred eighty two thousand copies of Oh, the Places Your will Go <laughs> so far. That's up. It's up from four fifty eight last year. It's uh, it's Oh, the Places You'll Go key in the place one of those places. is the number one in the best selling books list for the year. Um, crazy stuff. You know, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child came out. I think right around summer? July four last summer. And I don't think it made the, the first half of the year, and that sold four million copies in print. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see the second half of the year year over year. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm so, not looking and, at this
1: list, so keep it coming.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, the place you go, Milk and Honey, <laughs> uh, number uh-huh.
1: two. She just announced number two. Ruby Cower just announced her next collection this is book. coming out in coming October. October. That's going to be a big deal.
0: Big deal. Number two, a man called Ove. Uh, hillbilly elegy hidden okay. figures double down by jeff kinney um the handmaid's tale camino island 13 reasons why uh so a lot of movie related mm-hmm. tv movie stuff uh you are a badass everything everything a dog's purpose option b option b is this year mm-hmm. then 1984 then wonder um by rj palacio which is being made into a movie i saw the trailer yeah. for that um, that's a middle grade book that people love. I that's a
1: five alarm snot bomb.
0: I, you know what? I saw the trailer. I'm like, I can't. Mm-mm. I gotta get on my <laughs> snot bomb hazmat suit. I don't know, like take some emotional Benadryl or something. Um, Lilac Girls, The Shack, Green Eggs and Ham, Doctor Seuss with the Two, Astrofigures for People in Hurry, and Strengths Finder 2.0. Uh, fascinating fascinating hey,
1: I, that's stuff. interesting I'm surprised to see Neil deGrasse Tyson on that list but happy and I want to go back to the shack because yes that, let's go back to the shack the shack was on bestseller lists forever, like a decade mm. ago it was a it was a bestseller when I was a bookseller which was a decade ago and people would come in and they'd be like what's that kind of religious book that everybody's reading and it was like oh obviously you're talking about the shack um and it just fell off the cultural radar for a while, yeah. but now they're making a movie of it. Also, like, talk about cultural things that happen late. Um, yes. I was like, oh, do people still care about that? But I guess they do, because it must have, like, the books are getting new sales life. I mean, movies
0: move units, man. I mean, I know, I know it's not a shock, but it really makes a difference. Also, we I have just can't the believe Amaz-
1: there are people interested in The Shack who haven't read The Shack I, already.
0: You know, I mean... There's a there was the old line, There's there's someone born every day that hasn't seen the Flintstones. I don't know what to tell mm-hmm. you. Um, I also get the Amazon top 20 Kindle ebooks, remarkably little overlap. Um, number one is The Handmaid's Tale. Then the next one that's on the both lists, I have to drop all the way down to 1984 at number 11.
1: Is it a lot of like self published and Amazon no, stuff on no. the list? Oh, uh, no? well,
0: there's a couple. Well, y- I'm sorry. Yes, you were right. The two through five are um thomas and mercer is that an amazon imprint i know like yes. uh, i thomas think and so Bar-
1: yes Thomas. yeah and mercer yeah
0: beneath the scarlet map. sky in farley field dead certain everything we keep then harry potter and the Sorcerer's stone talk about a book there's someone that hasn't read it yet mm. um criminal defense which is thomas yeah thomas and mercer thomas and mercer self published then hmh then avon little a perry let me get down the list but so yeah super interesting um that the lists are so different, and then one one more stat thing. Um, behold the dreamers. We finally got some post Oprah. Uh, behold the dreamers. Ooh, tell number. me, tell me. Um, it sold so it sold eighteen thousand copies in hardback. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's already sold twelve thousand in uh, paperback. In paperback. Good job. Oprah. No, it sold it, it sold twelve thousand last week in paperback. Nice. So almost doubling its hardcover sales. Though I have to say. I mean, look. I'm sure they will take it, and but it didn't double the sales. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought there was a time.
1: Wait, but you're talking wh- about it did eighteen thousand in its whole first year in hardcover? Yeah. And you wanted it to double its sales in one week?
0: Well, I mean, it's over. I'm I'm saying there was a time that you could you'd look at fifty thousand to hundred thousand the first week. It just it just shows you how different it is. That's though. true. It's not a yeah. Again, th- it seems like take the
1: it. the Oprah juice without Oprah on a major network.
0: Yeah. You know no because like behold the network. dreamers it's it it's number five in the trade paperback, mm-hmm. which is again that's don't get good, me wrong right? that's good, but it needed well I mean I guess the spread between two through five is only a few thousand copies. Um, the woman in cabin ten was the number one seller last week in trade paperback, and it sold 25,000 units. That book is selling, man. That book is... It it's sold 250,000 copies in, in paperback.
1: Is that the Eden Lepucky?
0: No, that's Ruth Ware. Um, that's the woman... Kevin, the, the Eden Lepucky is woman number seven. Oh, okay. Which I'm not even sure is out yet,
1: Oh, okay. I think it um, is. Um I yeah. then apparently don't know the woman in Cabineton. So maybe it can be this It's year's- a thriller.
0: We heard a lot of people yeah, it's it's one of these um psychological, you know, gone girl and its many descendants. Like I don't I don't mm-hmm. think it's a knockoff, but I think it's it's down the family tree of that. So anyway, behold the dreamers. Um good for them. But uh, uh let's see. I tell you what, everything, everything, that book is selling. Mm-hmm. It sold three hundred and six thousand copies year-to-date in print. Again, there's a movie. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that's... that's. Well, I mean, the, tr- the the hardcover fiction list, like, in terms of the literary fiction for the year, it's a bit of a... It, I'm just talking about sales.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the Ministry of Utmost Happiness was just like the big one of the summer. It sold 20,000 copies in hardcover. So it's not bad, but geez, yeah. where else are you going to go? Um, into the like water, I guess Paula Hawkins. That's an interesting one.
1: Yeah,
0: um, two hundred thirty-four thousand copies. It
1: feels like there just hasn't been a big novel in hardcover since like Fates and Furies.
0: Yeah, I mean Camino Island, the Grisham three twenty-two, but that's that's Grisham. It's uh, a yeah, that's its own and,
1: uh, different Daniel horse of a different color. I
0: think I think if people get on the force train, Don Winslow. Mm. Um that premiered 2 weeks ago it's already sold 18,000 copies. Um that book could sell. I mean it's going it's being made into a movie already but like I'll be curious to see if before its a trailer comes out or something if people will get into that cuz I man I I tore through that. Um yeah. All right.
1: Like while we're talking about numbers we can do a little follow up/news slash news that surprises no one. The author, who shall not be named, Mm. self-published his book (laughs) last week. And his public relations team told Publishers Weekly, we'll have a link to this in the show notes for you, but his PR team told Publishers Weekly that 100,000 copies, including pre-orders, had been sold on Amazon as of the book's release date. But a look at Bookscan, tells a different story um it notes here that outlets that report to bookscan including amazon reported a total of just 18268 copies sold in the book's first week though th- since we were just talking about numbers for like behold the dreamers you know that's still a lot of copies of a book it was enough to put this book at number three on the adult nonfiction list and six overall in the country. It hit number 20 in the Apple iBook store. But these sales are not nearly the numbers that his team is uh, presenting them to be. And I saw another very satisfying link that it sold 52 copies in the UK. (laughs) Man. Um, So... That's kind of all there is to say about it. I guess no. I'm relieved that I only have to be sad about 18,000 people paying money to read this instead of 100,000.
0: And I guess, and I guess that will, I mean, not that we want to keep talking, that is kind of the end of the story. It's out, it didn't sell, it's not going to be a thing. Right. Maybe, maybe S&S settles up or whatever about the thing to make it go away. But that's the end of our story. Like Now that it's out, no one cares. No one cares.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's out in the world. No one cares. You have a much, like, kind of buried in this is you have a much harder time selling your own book than when you have the backing of a major publishing house, even if you have the kind of platform that this guy has and his are all digital. They're not print editions. Yeah, so So they're
0: not in bookstores. You're not, you know, and and Barnes & Noble still sells a lot of books. The business is rough, man. Pulitzer Prize news. It's not an award or anything, but the Pulitzer Prize announced Wednesday that journalist and Pulitzer Prize winner um, Dana Kennedy, I'm hoping I say that right, C-A-N-E-D-Y, uh, will be the next administrator of the annual journalism competition, not just journalism. <clears throat> She's the first woman and the first person of color to serve in the role. She replaces Mike Pride, who retired at the months after three years in the role. So interesting to see um, that.
1: Yeah, that's it's exciting, and also, like, it's 2017, and we just got a woman in this position.
0: <laughs> yeah, more than 100 years. I think the first Pulitzer Prizes were in, like, 1913. Something mm-hmm. like that. Um, she was a lead reporter on how race lived in America for the New York Times, which won the Pulitzer in 2001. I guess I'm a little, I don't know, nothing. I'd never even thought about the administrator of the yeah, Pulitzer Yeah, I don't know prizes. what the
1: job is.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the job is. Maybe you do a lot of reading and you have to decide, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm surprised that a former Pulitzer winner wants the gig. Mm. I, You know, like, I I don't know. Like, I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised. Yeah,
1: I um, don't know anything about the position. I was thinking that this is kind of a banner couple of years now that Carla Hayden is the first woman and the first yeah. person of color to be the Librarian of Congress and Data Kennedy taking over the Yeah, Lisa Lucas is at the, at the National Book, Book, the Book Foundation. Foundation. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: so it's um, uh, some welcome change there. Uh, I don't know. It does, There's no explainer about what this means. Zero. Like, right, what, yeah, do what do they do? What, you know, I'm, I'm sure it matters. I just don't know how.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, if there are any like detectable changes in the prizes with a woman and a person of color running the show mm-hmm. over there. Like, I know that Lisa is not involved in um, picking books, I think, for the awards. She's not involved in the judging process. And when we had her on the, podcast a year or so ago she was like I have to be very careful to say when I'm talking about books publicly that I like that it's just a book that I like it's not a book that I'm endorsing (laughs) like um so I wonder if if Dana Kennedy's own interest and her background or anything that she can bring to bear would affect it or not but regardless really cool to see women of color finally um getting into these you know highest level positions at the most prestigious awards that we have
0: The world's biggest bookstore. Yeah.
1: Your brain exploded when I DM'd this to you last week. Well, I mean,
0: look. It is...
1: It's huge.
0: It's huge. Um, It's in Tehran. Uh, It's called the Book Garden. And it's a giant academic complex. Now, hold on to your brains here. (laughs) 700,000 square feet. Mm. Now... It's not all books. There's gardens. There's movie theaters. There's a science hall, classrooms, restaurant, prayer room. So, so, but it's like it looks kind of like there'll be a link in the show notes. You need to look at this thing because it kind of looks like two back to back football fields shapes. Like it looks like there's kind of a track around it. In the middle, there's a bunch of grass and pavilions that are in built into the side it's really fascinating yeah
1: it's a really interesting looking building
0: um there's a there's a famous book fair the international book fair and in in tehran and they wanted something that could be there year round and it was pitched first pitched in 2004 so it's been put together for it's the the putative goal or the stated goal is to encourage kids to read they have more than Four hundred thousand titles available for kids alone. Uh
1: and it even I has shorter uh, shelves just, so the kids for, uh, can reach the books.
0: I just cannot I can't. My brain can't. It's
1: handle. it's like it's so hard to fathom what that much bookstore would feel like. And for comparison, yeah. according to Guinness, the biggest individual bookstore since 1999, until this opened, um, was the Barnes and Noble on Fifth Avenue in New York City, which is 154,000 square feet and has 12 miles. Of shelves, so this is what like five times larger, four and a uh, half times larger, four than and that? a
0: half times larger. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, Just, I mean, the different. The difference is, I think, unless I'm reading this wrong, is that and I, that, I think that Barnes and Noble on Fifth Avenue is closed now. Actually, mm-hmm. I to, I, if I'm thinking of the right the right one, that one on um, Fifth Avenue. Anyway, like that's all bookstore. I don't this seven hundred thousand square feet. I think also includes the movie theater, mm-hmm. science halls, okay. restaurants. I so shelf, shelfable space. That that Barnes and Noble was all shelves. Um, I also can't believe that that Fifth Avenue Barnes and Noble is bigger than Powell's. I, I just or the
1: Strand, right? This well, mm-hmm. I think it is
0: bigger than the Strand. Anyway, really, I I, I think just because it has more. It's it has more floors and it's wider. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But th- those you know these American bookstores. Who cares? We don't have to compare it to American stuff. That's an American thing to do. Um, but I'm just looking for a reference point. Is all I'm, I'm looking for it. Uh, it. The construction on the center wrapped last spring, and Organizer and spent the last few months stocking
1: this. That's just wild.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So uh, I think now I don't know. I was trying to think of like. If you had sort of um, ten travel buttons to you could push to instantly mm. appear in bookish locations mm. around the world, where do you go? Okay, this certainly cracks the top ten now.
1: Oh yes, sort of uh, instantly. And I think
0: you're looking at the British Library, or the, excuse me, the British Library or the British Museum. You're probably looking that at that one the, in Rio,
1: that bookstore that used to be yeah, beautiful the movie old theater.
0: theater. Um, probably the Morgan Library, uh, in New York. Um, I you know I'm sure there's some other places I don't know about, but just like this rockets to to the top. And you uh, know, I, of the list. I was
1: talking to Bob about it too. That I think it's super interesting, especially given Tehran and Iran's mm. fraught history with literature and book banning, and you know, academic and intellectual freedom. Um. Oh, what is her name now? I'm totally... Azar thinking. Nafisi. Yes, I Azar know, Nafisi. I know, yeah. You're right there yeah. with me. She wrote Reading Lolita in Tehran about mm-hmm. hosting a book club that read banned books. Um, and so it's, I think, really interesting to see the world's largest bookstore roll out in a place that like, if this were in Iceland, and we were like, oh, yes, right, those Icelanders and all the books that they read, I think that would be One thing, but it's really interesting to see a culture that has not always had an easy relationship with books and reading uh, roll out something like this. That is a huge, you know, decade-in-the-making project.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the Ministry of Education is there. I don't know how much the government is involved. It must be to some, to some degree. I don't, who owns this thing? Mm, like, what is question. the business? I don't, I don't understand. There's not a lot of good English language information out there. Like I, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit and it's like, I quickly hit Arabic and I'm, I'm out. I mean, I just don't know what I'm doing. So, uh, if you know more about this, uh, maybe oh, we need yes. to get Kareem. Kareem, if you're listening and you can One figure out, tell us some more Kareem Shaheen. Um, Tell us more, or tell us where to go to find out more. You don't have to do our homework for us, but tell us where the books are.
1: I think we should go on a field trip.
0: That's a, that's a flight from here, I've got mm-hmm. to say, from well, Portland. It's, it, almost, it might be almost exactly on the other side of the planet. I mean, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it might be as far as 12-hour plane ride in one direction is sort of as far as you can go. Um, all right, so we wanted to make sure we got through with that. Um, this does not pass the, I'm sorry to say, this does not pass the Whitney, the, um, sorry, Whitney, the Nazi witch book. Occult horde threshold. No. this. Nope, I'm sorry. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to see, but we're not talking about it. I'm sorry. Someone, can't do it. There was it. a
1: new book by someone discovered by but it's someone. Not exciting they, it
0: doesn't rise to the level, so I'm sorry. Um, anyway. Uh, So that's just how we're doing that now. All right. Yep. Uh, Let's go with... Well, where do you want to go next? You talk to me about it.
1: Uh, You know, I want to talk about this Kansas City story for a minute, or Wichita, actually. This came across my desk this week. I don't know if it is getting national buzz or Mm -hmm. if it was just because I have a lot of Kansas friends on Facebook, but the Wichita Police Department has a new program um, where they are delivering books. Police officers will take books out to Wichita families who participate in the program. It's called Building Bridges Through Books. Um, And it aims to improve literacy in the community, but also to increase conversation between the community and the police department and, you know, make people feel more comfortable. Um, Sarah Bagby, who owns Watermark Books in Wichita, said that she hopes that this will lead to conversations beginning with the question, what have you read lately? Uh, And then an officer named Charlie Davidson um, from the Wichita Police Department said, it's unfortunate that an officer's most common interaction with the community is during a crisis, so they're hoping that this will, you know, sort of change the relationship that the people of Wichita have with their police department. They sent out 14,000 postcards about the program to families across the Wichita area. You call a number to sign up, um, and the books are coming from there. They got a one hundred and sixty thousand dollars grant from the Impact Literacy Initiative of the Wichita Community Foundation. Um, so there will be three book distributions this year. I guess three like waves of it. Mm-hmm. Um, It includes a range of books for all age groups selected based on entertainment value, how easy they are to relate to, discussion points, and quality of writing. So the couple titles that they mention are Towers Falling, A Wrinkle in Time, One Crazy Summer, and Frog and Toad. Uh, So I thought this was really interesting. And then I started thinking about... like how fraught a lot of communities relationships are with their police departments especially in the last couple of years and how i i, I think i have mixed feelings about this jeff like
0: mm, mixed feelings mix, okay. imagine
1: that like i'm all mm. for books into households that wouldn't have those books otherwise like that is that objective is i think pretty much always great get people get the people some books i am a little Well, more than a little skeptical of initiatives intended to make community members feel better about police officers when there are some very real reasons that many members of many communities, especially people of color, don't and I think shouldn't just feel comfortable. Um, And I looked up the demographics for Wichita and it's about 30 percent people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of wondered, like, if that's embedded here too. I don't know anything about like Wichita. I grew up in Kansas City. I don't know anything about Wichita's like racial. I
0: know a little bit. A lot of history. a lot of Latino population. Okay. I di- I just happened to notice that the, of the books they mentioned, there's not a Spanish language. Yeah, title.
1: And I, you know, we haven't seen the full list. Yes, Um, I haven't seen them. Given the way these things go, I feel comfortable assuming it's probably not a super inclusive list. Would love
0: to be wrong.
1: Would Would love love to to be be wrong, wrong, certainly. Um, But it just gave me, I was like, oh, cool, yay, community book distribution. I was like, well, and like, do you have to then decide you're cool with a police officer coming to your house if you want these books? I guess so. Um,
0: Yeah, I don't That's an interesting point. I I hadn't thought about it enough to even have nuance um, flowing at all. Uh, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I share your interest in those particular types of questions. Like, you've got to sign up, and it's first come, first serve. Has the outreach been equitable? Are mm-hmm. there Spanish language? You have to sign up for there's a postcard. Are this Spanish language ones? Um, you've got to contact by phone an independent bookstore called Watermark Books. I'm guessing just because we know where independent bookstores are, those may not be the most accessible location for some people, especially those that... So, uh, and maybe we could be wrong about all this. Maybe they've done their homework and they've been thoughtful about, like, who really in the community could use free books. Um, But I guess my feeling is it's a little bit like the Little Free Library. Kerfluffle is dismissive. But thinking is, I guess it's not... It's better than nothing, but... And if it's thoughtfully done, it might be really great. If it's not thoughtfully done, it might just be... I don't know. Um... It might just be wallpaper. Like, I guess that's what you're kind of saying, right? Is this just wallpaper? Right, like, it could be a
1: meaningful, great thing. It could also be the kind of headline that people just like to post because it looks like a feel-good headline.
0: Yeah, right. Um, So I don't know, like, maybe if... I guess the thing I would be interested in is also distribute books by police officers and families on a neutral ground. So... Maybe these are cops going into the communities and, you know... They, this point is really a good one, that most people have a contact with a police officer in a crisis. Mm-hmm. And most police officers have contact with the community in a crisis. So maybe the way around some of the stuff we see happening that's very, very bad um, is to remind, especially the police... I don't think the community needs reminding that police officers are people. Um because they make mistakes and people see. Maybe they do. But how the community treats cops in most situations isn't the problem, right. <laughs> frankly. I mean, again, there is some, there is some but that's not... The, it's the, the information and empathy disjunction is on the other side. So if this is something done with the idea of getting police out in the community, not in times of crisis, and not when they're being security, and not when they're to see people in their homes or their communities, um, interact with them on a different level, that might, that might make some sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thing to do. I think the most interesting to me about this is how often books get used as kind of a, mm. you know, a, a uh, I don't want to say blank, but almost like a unit of cultural currency. Like it's a dollar bill of goodness. Yeah, it's just it's, a blank, it's a blank currency of...
1: It's like a universally agreed This upon is good. good. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, what could we do? It, we, could, we could have books.
0: Yeah, books. I mean, what else? What's the what's the least controversial thing we could we right. could use as our exchange medium? Right. And not to say it's not controversial. I mean, the pigs get banned and censored all the time. But it can't be music or movies. I'm just food. What else would it be? It's just it is the 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 bed. I, it's not even the right thing. It is just kind of the atomic unit of this is good. Like there's there's very little. It has the least discussion. The least. Um, uh, I guess protestation—the least uh, objection—it's the mm. least objectionable thing you could distribute, right? And in that way, it kind of defangs of it of what it can do. Like I don't know—I I, I'm interested to see. Yeah, I mean, which and, is
1: kind of the flip side of like what World Book Night was trying to do, yes, or now right. what those sort of—I guess we're calling them book fairies—are doing that are mm-hmm. leaving you know copies of 1984, copies of The Handmaid's Tale out in public. It is yeah, so I haven't right. thought about this like specific juncture before, but it is so interesting that books do both of those things that it's this universal good. Every basically everyone agrees that a books book is good. a good thing to give a person. A book is a great thing to give to a kid. People benefit from getting books. It's good. But they also books really have teeth to yes. change people and then to change cultures mm. and the because those ideas are powerful. And we're kind of saying that when we say a book is good, like you should read because reading does good things for you. But we don't consider that flip side that like one of the well, good it's things the sec- that reading the does the for us is it makes sentence. us dangerous.
0: It's the next sentence after books are good that becomes difficult, right? It's got, remember that old West Wing where Mm. he's debating what's his name and he's like, okay, there's the soundbite. What's the next sentence? Like, what's the next part of your plan? Books are good. Okay. And then if you ask someone why, I think it's, it gets naughty real quick.
1: It does. After that.
0: And, and if it's Frog and Toad in Wrinkle and Time, or I don't know this book, One Crazy Wrinkle and Time. I don't know. There's stuff about. I mean, it's yeah. It's I it's been a while. To... There's some stuff in there, but it's they're not they're not distributing The Handmaid's Tale. Right. They're not distributing. Um, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, which they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not just they're not um distributing. She persisted. So I don't know. It's it's a little bit of. I I think the books are good. I don't even know what you would call it. the the. It's almost a meme. Like it's almost a cultural meme. It books is. are good. Right it borrows from all of the turmoil and progressiveness and subversion of books throughout history without having to acknowledge it without having to deal with it which mm-hmm. that's that's the part that i find i don't know that it's bad i think it might be unthoughtful and disingenuous yeah um, i think it
1: it lacks nuance at the like the right. best possible case there is that it's lacking the nuance of One of the reasons maybe the driving force for pushing to get access to books for people isn't this feel-good thing. It's not just promoting literacy and educational advancement. It's because historically, books have been... Radicalizing books have changed people's minds and gathered communities together. And the ideas contained in books like it's that books are the way that we convey ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And they're also, I guess, in that respect, it's also interesting that they're not like, here's a $160,000 grant for free hotspots because the internet is how you yep. get access right. to ideas. Um it's still books, but it does this this just yeah, like the warm fuzzy books are good completely ignores yeah, that that right. the way we get there is books are also very dangerous in an exciting and important way.
0: And you know, I mean not to be all Orwell because you know, we've been doing <laughs> Orwell, but like Orwell would say whatever the whatever books the cops are handing out, you don't need to read those. <laughs> right? <And> like <laughs> I mean not to put too fine a point on it, but like Whatever it is that books do, well, it, I guess right. besides teaching you to read is like, if the cops are handing it out, maybe keep, mo- maybe look for. Well, yes. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's un- maybe that's productive, like, but
1: if it's the one song that the reverend in Footloose says you can dance to, yeah, that's not yeah, your album. Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I don't know. I mean, and again, I like a wrinkle in time, so I don't want to. I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. But th- that's that's the cynical part of me. It's like, okay, this is the this is the book. So this is the this book. This list is the list of books you don't need to care. Right?
1: About. Like, how sanitized does a list of books have to be to be approved as the thing that police officers can hand out in a community?
0: The inverse list is the books that are the most banned. Like, right. that's a list. Now that's a list. Like, that's a book that really is picking at the cultural scabs. Um, and I think that's in, that would be interesting to think about too. So anyway. Uh, well, we did some nuance in that. We, th- mm-hmm. we threw down some subtlety. Um, you know, this is a story that, uh, did Amanda, Jen found this? Amanda about the vegetarian?
1: I think it was Amanda, or maybe it was Am- Jen. I don't remember. Either Jen or Amanda.
0: <laughs> and, and I didn't listen to last week's show. You haven't talked about this, right? No,
1: we didn't talk about this one.
0: I don't even know what to do with this story because it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's, it, tell, it's, well, you set it up. Set okay. it up because I just am remind, I don't remember it, but so I think you talked a little bit more. The
1: novelist Han. Did Kong. you read this, by the way? I didn't, did. It's been it? on my okay, list okay. forever. My, mine too. Um, mine too. But so the 2016 Man Booker International Prize went to a novel called The Vegetarian by Hong Kong. And that's you know very exciting and the writer of this piece this is from um Korea Expose or expose.com expose uh charles yun is saying that when he uh, began to hear students and colleagues complaining about the translation he started wondering um how basically how egregious is this. So from, I guess from the start of this, a lot of attention has been focused on the book's translator. Her name is Deborah Smith. Um, At the time, she was a 28-year-old PhD student at the School of Oriental and African Studies in London. Um, And here in the West, reviewers just lavished praise on the book and talked so much about how gorgeous the prose was. But after the man Booker was awarded, I guess controversy started burbling in South Korea about it. And like, long story short, 10 point after extensive study, they've concluded 10.9% of the first part of the novel was mistranslated 10.9% and another 5.7% of the original text was just omitted. And that's just from the first section of the book alone. And it's saying here that, you know, if you keep in mind that niggling errors occur, even in the best translations, and any Cherry picked line by line comparison from a 200 page book is inevitably going to show some mistakes, and that might be those might be petty to point out, but these are not mistakes of that variety, yes. And like the
0: subjects of sentences
1: are wrong, (laughs) yeah. There's a like I the mind blowing paragraph in this piece, I think, is. I can't emphasize enough how different Han Kang's writing style is in Korean. Han's sentences are spare and quiet, sometimes ending in fragments. In contrast, Smith uses a high formal style with lyrical flourishes. As one critic noted, the translation has a 19th century ring to it reminiscent of Chekhov. The example is extreme, but wait for this. Imagine the spare style of Raymond Carver being translated so that it sounds like Charles Dickens.
0: (laughs) Wow. And yeah, I mean, look, this is—I don't know if it's a dirty little secret about translating, but I mean, talk about undiscovered country as a reader mm. of one language or even a couple languages. But leading translations of, of of books you don't books written in language you don't speak, I mean, you are completely at the mercy of the translator. You, you just don't know. And I, is this just one? Is I don't know. Like if we looked at uh you know, girl, the, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, no right. One talk, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like whatever the big ones, the 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 man named Ove. What what were the big the Joe Nesbo? Uh Anything translated? I mean, I have no idea. Like I remember this was brought home to me, uh, blue, in a mind-blowing way. I and I think it was in ninth grade. I had to take epic tradition, and we read a prose translation of the Iliad, a oh. prose translation of the Iliad, which I thought. <laughs> was the single most boring <laughs> thing I had ever and read. You love and you know me about the Iliad. The Iliad. There was no zealot like the Iliad for me now because I read a poetic translation in 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 grad school that I had to teach and I was blown away. And I'm like, these are the same books? Like I couldn't believe it. Um and so that was really the one that I, you know, it's kind of like seeing the Matrix a little bit, like, mm-hmm. oh my God. And so I guess I'm not sure if I am surprised or not surprised by this. Does that make sense? Like, I just, I guess I kind of felt yeah, like this, this was just kind of out there.
1: I guess we have no idea what the baseline percentage yes. of difference right. is. And it's possible that this just came to light because of all the attention that the book is right. getting. Right. But it just, I, I mean, I had, I've seen a little bit of that matrix, too, not in mm-hmm. nearly... As, as stark of an example as the one that you have with the Iliad, but enough to know like you things get lost in translation. <laughs> there's a yeah, reason. Yeah, right. There's a reason that we there's have that, that yeah. phrase, especially when you're going from languages that are so different from each other as Korean and English. Like, that's just going to happen. There are expressions and idioms and words that just don't exist in between, and that's the art of translation, I suppose. Like, you know that anytime you're reading a translation, you're getting some of the art, and you're hoping Mm. that the translator has conveyed the spirit of the words, if not the exact letter of them, Um, because often the exact letter is unavailable. And I just, I knew that, but this, like, this percentage thing that, like... That makes it feel very big to me. If someone were like, so Rebecca, it turns out that we found the real manuscript of Beloved. And Terry, like, just go with the Mm -hmm. example. And Toni Morrison's editor changed 15% of the text. (laughs) I'd be like. Well, 15%? I hate to tell you,
0: if you heard of this guy named Maxwell Perkins <laughs> and what he did to look Homeward Angel by Thomas Wolfe. <laughs> right. I mean, any, I mean, look, whatever.
1: But like this it's book hard that you say. love, it's fifteen percent off at least from the thing it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I think
0: that that's so fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of fascinating things here. This the story of this woman, Deborah Smith, who translated. It. She trans, She was a graduate student. She's 28 years old and only started speaking Korean, studying Korean, six years before now. <sighs> I'm it's sure it, she's she's a PhD student at the School of Oriental and African Studies in London. I'm sure she's a serious person. But it just goes to show you too that that the translator matters. Like it totally matters. Mm-hmm. And it matters. it's it's but for most of us that translator is a black box. Like in goes a language we don't speak and out comes a book we can. And what happens in there is it's just you a know. mystery. It's like you know what's like. It's like that. Most people don't realize, and or maybe they do, and then we just sort of forget that most nonfiction books aren't fact checked. That's exactly oh, right. It's the same thing <laughs>
1: until there's a big disaster. Every until
0: there's of years. a big thing, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. This plane doesn't have any landing gear,
1: right? <laughs> like, like, no, I'm serious. Like, it's kind of amazing, right? That
0: like nonfiction gets it published and it's not fact checked. Like, and I understand why it isn't because the cost. It would be so intense, especially how most nonfiction sells. Like, it just doesn't. It just doesn't warrant it, which is why like the Times and the New Yorker and places that are fact-checked are so crucial and they have a platform that pays for its fact-checking, which each individual book really can't. But like this is the same, this is one of those dirty secrets. Like there is no fact-checking in translation. There's not like some second party that goes. the book goes out to, I guess. Like who's editing the editor here? Oh, like who, who's editing the right, translator? Is there some second party and, person at whatever? I just don't. I don't think so.
1: And I'm having a little bit of like old lady feeling bad for Deborah Smith, you're like, you're 28. You're still a baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I yeah. can't be mad at anybody for like a mistake they made in their work when they yeah. were 28. <laughs> if it's even a mistake, like I, I would believe, you know, I'd like to believe that translators enter into this project wanting to be faithful to the spirit mm-hmm. of the book. Um, I would love to read an interview with her about this. Yeah. But just yeah. this was just such a weird we were all like you could hear the collective Scooby-Doo noise happen in our brains yeah. on the staff back channel of like <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, just so, yeah. so I think
0: interesting. it just I mean I wasn't I wasn't surprised that there was a wizard behind the curtain. I guess I'm just sometimes I forget that the wizard it, it that's what's weird to me is like we live with the wizard behind the curtain nonfiction and translator. Yeah, and it's a lot. And again, we don't know how much of this is an outlier. Now, I would suggest that because we've heard of it, I would guess it is an outlier, but mm-hmm. maybe it isn't. I mean, I I just I just what think of the translations that don't sell, that don't get scrutiny? Yeah. I mean, who knows the 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 lexical malfeasance that, that might happen there? Um,
1: Show title.
0: <laughs> but, but I also know, too, from like things I've read several different translations of like Crime and Punishment. I've yeah. read a couple different translations Anna of Karenina.
1: that. Anna Karenina.
0: And sometimes the translation angle of attack is made explicit in an introduction or something like that. We want to, we want to make this more of an action-oriented or maybe mm-hmm. more of a reflective or more... And so there's things that you can do... Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, and how much, and the other thing I think this says here too that um, Hong Kong w- said that they that this was okay. Right, that this was fine, or at least not didn't come out uh, as a um, that some violence or or uh, yes. Uh, for the record, Hong Kong has read the translation and fully supports Smith's version. I don't know if that's Harper Lee totally signed off on this. I mean, I who knows? Like, what else I don't know. are you
1: supposed to do? The book that I won this major prize, yeah, for I don't. Stand I'm making by bank the off like, of. That's a rock in a hard place.
0: No, no, I, 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 I get, but, 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 she I, is this a she? I don't even know. Is it Hong Kong is a she or he? Hong Kong the, is
1: a man.
0: Man, I thought it was a she for some reason. Oh. I, I think it's because I'm reading. I don't know because I'm maybe because uh, I saw the translator's name and I'm anchored at female. Who knows? Um. Could say nothing, could do new, com- could say no comment. That would be oh, no right. comment. Kong is
1: a woman, I am in Okay,
0: that's it's okay. Um, where was it? I, a no comment or was unavailable for comment would be mm-hmm. either really unavailable comment or doesn't want to get in the mix right. or hates it. And maybe there's something in their clause of like non disparagement of the translation. Mean, it could be, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, like there could be in her, in her contract for English foreign rights, like. You can't come out and slag on the translation. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, fascinating story. I, I would encourage, I mean, I don't often say this, sometimes, but I think this is, whole thing is worth a read, mm-hmm. if you're interested in this. We we, didn't, we covered some of it, but um, this, this author, Sharice um, Yoon, gets into some of the specific word switches and mistakes. It's not stylistic stuff a lot of it. it's like getting the soup wrong and calling the bedroom the living room and i don't know fascinating really really fascinating you
1: better uh um, tell us about our next sponsor before. yeah we roll uh, on. book
0: of the month um this is what's the cool thing about book of the month is every month you you get to pick a book right that that's the fun part of this so he, here's what it does Book of the Month searches high and low for new books you wouldn't have found on your own with a special focus on debut authors. Then you browse the five best books of the month and you pick which one do you want. Price is starting just $10 for new hardcover releases that usually cost more than $15. Everyone else, it's a great value. You can go once a month, once a season. You can add more. Exclusive prices, special prices, and free shipping will save you a whole bunch of money. So they're picking out the interesting books coming out in any given month, and then you say, I want one of those, and I want it for a great price. It's a really – they're really growing fast. And I have to say, the one thing we see in the Insiders forum – um, they didn't tell me to say this is when the the list comes out, there's like a little there's like a little blooming of fun that happens mm-hmm. like Here, the selections are out. Hey, they're like they're all they're waiting and I guess they know what time of the month they come out and they're all refreshing their browsers and like, hey, they're out. What are you going to pick? Oh, I'm going to pick this. Oh, I heard about that. Oh, that just sounds interesting. I hadn't heard about that. And there's That fun moment. It's almost like kind of like a. A mini Easter basket, you know, every every month. Where it's like, what's what's under the? What? I'm now mixing my um, uh, uh, Christian <laughs> pagan holidays. Um, what's under the 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 rabbit tree? Because that's what we do at Easter. The rabbit tree. What's under the um, rabbit tree? Yeah, and then we eat the turkey with the stuffing. Um, anyway, and it's really fun. It's it's so fun to see the delight going on there. So you can get your first book for ten dollars. That's a new hardcover release. Ten dollars. Go to book of the month. .com/bookriot. That's bookofthemonth.com/bookriot. Um they pick some great stuff. I always I I have to admit, I don't subscribe to the service cuz I do most of my library stuff and I'm reading ahead more and more these days, but I always look at the selections. I'm always interested. Uh, to see what they've picked, and and I have to say it's a good mix of stuff I've heard of, and like if I just wanted to make that, you know, okay, I want to make sure I get that, but there's a few things I haven't, and that, and that's a part of the fun of uh, book of the month. So bookofthemonth.com dot slash So much thanks for them um, to them for sponsoring the show. One more story.
1: Yeah, where do you want to go?
0: <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where. You know, let's go to. Um, comics all right we don't talk too much comics Uh, i'm reading a lot of comics as i'm getting into the library scene um and i've i've always kind of wondered i guess the deal with comics is that there's no has there like are there sometimes a young adult novel will cross over and just become a you know john green big Mm -hmm. book uh harry potter's middle grade big book Comics don't really seem to cross over and be big hits. So I've always wondered, like, what do what? How do they support themselves? Like, how many cop copies does it say? I'm trying to think of Saga, my mm-hmm. favorite running mm-hmm. series. You read it. A lot of us at Book Riot read it. That's kind of the I don't even know that that's the the big title that we all read in comics. It's not Batman. It's not Spider Man. You and I aren't super, we're not Kate people when it comes to comics. Um, how many do they sell? What does it take to, for that to keep going? Staples and Vaughn are the co-owners and creators that they have a distribution deal with Image. So it's probably less than some others. I, I don't really know. But like, what is the size of the market and is it growing and what's happening It So I thought it was just interesting to see. Combined graphic novel and comic sales in North America grew 5% to $1.85 billion in 2016. Uh, $55 million increase over the previous years to continuing sales growth of book format graphic novels, which is $590 million. So it's quite a bit more than half. And that's up from $350 million in 2015. So that's a quarter of a million dollars growth in a $1 billion industry. So I guess that's kind of answering my question, Mm -hmm. is that the comics that you and I and the book riot, most of the, 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 the non comic specialists, because they read a bunch of different right. stuff that you and I don't read. Like, that is, it, it's not just that I'm feeling it growing, that is growing. Like, that is legitimately growing. Do you see what I'm getting at? Does mm-hmm. that make sense to you? Yeah. Um, so, let's see. Uh, traditional comic book periodicals is four, $405 million. So, the, com- the, the book format graphic novel is 50% bigger. Yeah. Than traditional comics periodicals and digital download download to own comics is only ninety million. It's like it's not even ten percent, which I'm a little surprised by. Just because, to be honest, my preferred reading format for comics is on my iPad. It just is. <laughs> yeah, I just, that's how I do it too. I, I find it m- most. You know, I, I get Saga in. I buy Saga in print because I want to own it. But I don't love reading it in print. It's glossy. If I'm reading in the sun, it's hard to read. You gotta crack the spine to open it all the way. It just I just don't like it as well as reading in digital. So I'm surprised it's not as much. Um, anyway, I, I thought that number was fascinating. And it was then really it was that book format, graphic novels, being sixty percent of the market almost yeah, and really growing mm-hmm. at that pace, I I think is remarkable. And I I'm wondering where that growth is coming from. Is it schmucks like you and I who like books? Picking it up is—is is it comics fans transitioning from superhero to? Maybe. I just don't know. Well, and maybe I'm it's also
1: Like Wonder Woman comes out in theaters, and people go buy you know a big bound. An old collection trade, a big bound, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, it could be
1: the book format
0: um, stuff. I'm fa- fascinated. I, I I thought that was really remarkable, and I like when it. I like it when it resonates with my own experience, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. my 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 worldview is validated. I am right, and that in my experience is, you know, it's funny. I guess or you know sometimes it feels if you it's validating to feel like yes you are different, and sometimes it's validating to feel like yes you are the the average. Like I'm not sure it goes by turn, right? In this case, mm-hmm. I was like I found it validating. Like yes, what I am noticing is what seems to be happening, um, and I, I guess I'm not sure. I'd like to know our this week's feedback. I'd like to know A if you read comics and B what you read and then C how you got into them. If especially if you're a latecomer to comics. You're a latecomer, you would say, right? Yeah. Did you I read comics as a kid or as a teenager? Yeah.
1: No, I had never really read comics at all until we started thinking about launching panels, which mm-hmm, I guess right. that thinking was probably three summers ago now um no
0: longer ago than that yeah it was yeah. a summer
1: and it paul, was it was a
0: time ago a unit of time it ago, was a time
1: but... ago and paul montgomery gave me a basically a syllabus for the summer mm-hmm. <laughs> of comics to read and books about comics to read and i got into lumberjanes saga and sex criminals as my yep. first three yeah um, so definitely a latecomer, and I'm like I wish that I could be a Wednesday warrior. I love the notion of going to a comics shop, like picking up the stuff from your pull list. But I'm a digital comics reader all the way.
0: Yeah, uh, the li- I just do the library because I can get them faster. Um, and I like to and I said before I like to save up a few, and so I can <laughs> read a few at a time. So anyway, that's that's more stats from the publishing world um, that I thought was really fascinating. I wonder too. I feel like also bookstores are stocking more. Book length um, comics and making them featured, and I don't know how that's happening. I don't know why it's happening, but the more um, when Sharif and I went to the Amazon bookstore, they you know they had a nice big. I think in our, in our talking about it that did, that got cut from the show. It was one of those scenes where the the Amazon bookstores are all cover out mm. for comics amazing.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to sell comics. It's a
0: because if you've been and looked at a comic store or the comic section, like most of them are thin and so you get these little tiny spines and they're hard to read, but also they don't tell you anything about the art or the feel. And comics are one where we all judge books by their cover. That's one of those clichés that sounds nice but is 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 donkey. Um it really matters for for a comic because you part of the feel is the art. Like that's right. a huge part of it, and to not be able to see it as you're just browsing spines is is crazy. Um, also, I found just this is uh, apropos of nothing except the cookbook section where everything is cover oh, out yes. is also amazing mm-hmm. and very bad if you're on a diet or, or not <laughs> wanting to go up to the food court I or over to see I am so Andes.
1: easily seduced by a beautiful cookbook. Like I, it's almost shameful.
0: I feel like the cookbook industry survives on the, the, the seductive properties of cookbooks. Well, that good, I'm just doing my part then. <laughs> yeah, you're just supporting <laughs> the cookbook industrial think, complex. Like
1: I don't know any other mode of being than buy a cookbook that you use for four recipes, but hold mm. on to that cookbook because it's gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a they, this night a, a beautiful one serves as a coffee table book. You don't have right, to use that's that. That's true. You know, it's just decoration. Um, <laughs> How would I get onto this? Oh, I comic books. <laughs> well, and and again, like I think, uh, in my Walden books in the Topeka shopping mall mm-hmm. in 1995, I don't think they were stocking Watchmen. You know, I don't think they were stocking The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Even the superhero graphic novel stuff, that's become canonical at this point. I don't think, you, I don't even know where I would bought it. Like, I'd have to go to a comic shop. And that comic books are being sold by bookstores, and they're being sold in book format, I feel like has to matter, but I don't, anyway, that's, that's all speculation.
1: What are you laughing? Why the, why the jokes? Why the We're just food? like way down. We're, uh, we're mm. in like our fourth rabbit hole here.
0: We were trying to get out of it, and then we got back. We're trying to get out of the show, and now we're back. Now we're back. We should show. just
1: wrap up there. You That's have, it. That's you our show. You have to show. go read the book. What? You have to go read the book. About the book. Which one? <laughs> the book, Jeff.
0: That's our show. Thanks so much to Book of the Month for sponsoring the show. Go to bookofthemonth.com slash to get 10% off. Go check out LeVar Burton Reads. Uh, I mean, what do you want besides that? Nothing and the I, unraveling I want nothing else. <laughs> and the unraveling by Sarah Ella. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring the show. Shoot us an email, podcast at bookwright.com about your comic book reading your comic book reading story. And then also go listen to annotated. And if you have listened to it and you like the show, super would help us out if you would rate and review it. It matters on Apple Podcasts. That's what we're supposed to call it now, not the other thing. <laughs> that I keep calling it.